Hi everyone, welcome back to Blurred Box. I'm Chloe. I'm Haven. I'm Pooja. I'm Sophie. And this is our podcast. Our episodes give you a bit of an inside look into what it's like being students at Stanford OHS, and we gather every week to host interesting discussions with interesting people. And we talk about world events and more. So continuing our streak of bringing on special guests, today we have another fellow student from OHS who's currently a senior, Ethan Wacker. Hello, what's up everyone? I'm Ethan Wacker. So yeah. Go ahead and just introduce again. yourself a bit. Sure. So my name's Ethan. I live in Honolulu, Hawaii, but for the past four years, I've been going back and forth between Hawaii and Los Angeles um, to act. Um, I'm an actor. So I was actually on a Disney show that ran for 63 episodes called Bizarre Vark. And because of that time commitment, um, I am also a Stanford OHS student. So, um, yeah, that's, that's all there is to know about me, I guess. I guess before we go into anything else, could you tell us a bit about how that's like, you know, having that lifestyle of going back and forth between Hawaii and L.A. for work? Yeah, no, it's, it's tricky. I mean, you definitely miss your friends back home and stuff like that. But um, if you want to do a job like I do, you got to make some sacrifices because it is a lot of, a lot of people want to do that job. It's very competitive. So, um, but... I mean, just to talk about the lifestyle, uh, it's hard sometimes. I don't really see my family as much. I have three siblings, and uh, my parents live together and all of us, all of us six in one house. But when I go to L.A., it's usually just me or my mom or me and my aunt or me and my dad or something like that for like eight months at a time. Um, But, I mean, it's a lot of work, too. I work 52 hours a week when I was on set of Bizarre Vark plus school. Um, so that it was, it was very full. So I was never bored. Um, but, uh, I mean, I have no complaints. I think my family's handled it well. I've got to do a lot of amazing things. Um, and I'm just happy that my childhood unfolded that way because I think it's a a really interesting thing that I did. Do your siblings ever want to do something similar? Sorry. Uh, each of my siblings has like their own different interests. I think my parents have done a really good job fostering that kind of identity in our family. Um, my youngest uh, sister is an extremely talented artist. She paints, makes clay sculptures, draws and stuff. She's actually a part-time student at OHS as well. Uh, she is oh, a nice. junior right now. Um, we might have to bring nice. her out later. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> More and then my later. older brother, my older brother is really into sports broadcasting and boxing. So he, he, he does amateur boxing. Uh, he, he has an internship at ESPN and he's living out in Utah. Wow. And my Older sister wow. is a psychology major at Quinnipiac University. Right. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, you got to get your whole family on here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, was something What's I read the... before. Oh, sorry. So, uh, no, you Sophie, can go, go ahead. You can go ahead. Sophie. Sorry, I was just, I was just interested in like wondering what's the most rewarding thing of being an actor. Um, I'd say you know it's it's obviously nice to see your efforts like uh realized when you are on tv and all these people are like hey you did a great job but i think the best part is definitely just walking around and getting to meet some of the people that i like entertain and they tell me about how like i make their days better how they laugh at the show and they're sad and stuff like that and that's just the most rewarding part to me the fact that i can reach so many people and also it's allowed me to have a social media presence where i'm allowed to interact with so many people yeah so um i'd say you know just giving me a platform has been the most rewarding part for sure. The social media though, has that been like mostly positive? I know. I mean, you know, I'm not famous enough to have made enemies, you know? (laughs) So I don't know if you get any like hate or, or backlash online. I don't think you're problematic. I don't know. I haven't Googled your name yet. So 
No, no, I'm I'm very I'm very unproblematic. Um, I just, <laughs> You're already here first. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not too into the uh, social media world. I do have a presence, and I do talk about like fitness and motivation and things that I care about, like that. You know, looking at obstacles as opportunities for growth rather than you know barriers that you can't get past. Um, but that's what I use my platform for. I don't really you know, try to get into any controversial topics because I just feel that's a way to divide your base. And I focus a lot, a lot on school. Uh, you have to do that when you come to this school. So yeah. um, I spend a lot of time on that. I spend a lot of time with my friends and my family. So social media is something great, but I've, I've never been so into it that it's become my whole identity, my whole life to a point where I butt heads with people. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's great. great. Yeah. You definitely have you know, just a slightly larger platform than most people do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So with your large, you know, just slightly larger platform, right? we want to talk a bit about, you know, some of those misconceptions and like stereotypes that actually tend to be associated with having that type of platform, being a public figure, especially, you know, actors. What are your first thoughts on that? So, um, I mean, I don't know if this has been the experience of every actor, but uh, a lot of times people think that because you do that, you're very like one track. I, I don't know how to articulate this properly, but they're like, oh, you're very, you're into that. And they think you're kind of vapid or something yeah. or like not as invested in other things. You aren't multidimensional like a lot of other people are capable of being. And I think that mm -hmm. that is a, you know, a flawed perception because I know a lot of actors that are really invested in different causes, whether it's like uh, environmentalism, advocation, like that stuff. Or if you're just like me and you, you're about to go to college and you're really into you know, uh, businesses and, you know, really invested in academics. Um, everybody's different. And I think that they sort of group actors into sort of one perspective like that, that people have on them. But I, I think that's a little unfair because I do think that, you know, it's just like everything else where each person's an individual with their own interests, their own passions, their own pursuits. And, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know you if I, if that explains yeah, it. But, yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I completely agree. Because, like, I know you mentioned before, it's like being an actor and building up your social presence gives you this platform to pursue things you want to, like environmental advocacy or whatever you may want to do. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit curious. People just don't realize um, that. Yeah, I agree. Like, I've seen actually a lot of actors or anyone with kind of, like you said, like a social media presence or a platform like that. Think of, like, you know... I don't know, TikTok people or YouTube people, right? Right. Um, they right. try to take that platform sometimes to advocate for something they believe in, but a lot of the times they also don't. And I'm not saying, like, obviously they're still multidimensional and have other things right, that they're interested right. in, to your point. But I'm wondering if just on the point of, like, advocacy or, you know, doing something with that angle, do you think that you have almost, like, more of an obligation to be a part of that? Like, or, responsibility or to, advocate, to use that right? platform, like, right. Yeah, that's a good idea. Once you have that platform? I mean... In my experience, um, I haven't really felt that pull. I mean, obviously, people do want people with presence to support their positions. So right. they're going to look for things that support their positions in your content. But I'm a pretty private guy. I mean, the only thing that I really, that I really share with my social media, the, like a thing that I advocate for, a thing that I really think is important, is the importance of fitness. That's something that I, that I try to relay, and that's pretty uncontroversial. Um, there's a lot of people who just on social media prefer to keep their lives a little bit more private than others, um, which is understandable because, you know, you're being watched by a ton of people all the time. 
you know, people are looking at everything you do on social media. You don't want to share everything because you don't just want to be chastised, crucified, all that stuff if you have a different opinion from somebody else. So some people are just more private. And I don't think necessarily there is a responsibility to to do these things. But I do think there's an opportunity that if you want to, you can make a bigger impact than a normal uh, than a normal high school student would just because you can reach many people, get your message out more and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think you're definitely right on that point. I actually think that, you know, with with whatever age you are, right, you're definitely going to be able to make an impact. But having the opportunity to do so more, you definitely take advantage of that. And I like that. Um, Another thing I want to ask, actually, you know, there's this phrase that fame gets into your head. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty Mm -hmm. (laughs) cliche of like a movie plot, too. (laughs) Right. So going along with that, I'm curious to know. Do you see that in real life? And what are your thoughts on that, having been a, in a circle that you can maybe see that? You definitely see that a lot. But uh, I'd say that it's really dependent on the people who you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with yes men or people that are just, you know, um, supporting everything you're doing, not, not looking at uh, your actions critically, not looking at your ideas critically, not, yeah. you know, challenging you you're going to fall into that trap because you're just going to be getting a bunch of positive reinforcement. You're going to think whatever you're doing is fantastic. Right. You know, all these people love it. Um, But I've been lucky enough to have parents, siblings, and friends that don't really care about that stuff. And they feel like, Oh, you're the same person as you were when you were 15 and and you didn't have followers. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So they're like, listen, buddy, I don't know who you think you are. So I've had that, I've had that presence in my life. So luckily I don't think, that that's happened to me. Um, but I definitely see it happening. But you know, there's also situations where people who do acquire followings, get really insecure because of the the social media situation. Um, So not always does it go to their head, it can also have a really negative impact on some people because it is vicious out there. Nobody's excused from hate. Nobody is excused from hate. People will point out your imperfections. People will point out what they don't like about you, even if you like that about you, and you're going to start questioning things. But um, really, if you're going to maintain who you are, your identity, while being interacting with so many different people who all want you to act a certain way, it's really about the people that you surround yourself with, the support group, that kind of stuff. Correct me if I'm yeah, kind really of well asking said. this question on a, before I get into the question, mm-hmm. correct me if it's based on an assumption that is wrong. But it seems like when you talk about, you know, if you're, in the public eye and people will like point out imperfections or something. It seems like, um, yeah, you kind of accept that as just like part of the job and you don't seem very impacted by it. So if that's true, I guess I'm wondering, was there like a turning point for you or did you just never really invest that much in those um, opinions? Cause I know I probably care. Yeah. Really so in, in, I was always, stuff, so, so when I was growing up, kindergarten, middle school, elementary school, I was always the smallest kid in the grade. I'm not the tallest dude. And, you know, that made me a target for some people. And I learned at a young age to have thick skin Mm -hmm. and not care what others say. The only opinions that impact me are the opinions of those that I care about and those that I love. So I've carried over that mentality. So when I see a hate comment, I'm like, okay, that's just more engagement for my page because I honestly (laughs) don't care about what, uh, (laughs) you know, this guy is saying on my page because I I don't like he's not important to me. I I don't value that. I don't know him. So I don't know if his perspective is valid. That's the thing about me. I have to know somebody and care about them and think that they're a good person in order for their opinion to really hold weight with me. How old were you when you started acting and like how do you think that shaped you today especially since you started probably at a younger 
age than mm-hmm. most people. Um, so I think that just because of my support system, I haven't had the same experience as a lot of young actors where, you know, they get really down on themselves or super self-critical. For me, um, I started acting when I was like 11, 10, 11 years old. And I went out to LA for two years and I heard a lot of no's. There's a ton of rejection in the acting industry and you got to learn how to handle that. So um, it took about mm-hmm. four years before I booked Bizarre Vark. I booked many jobs uh, before that. Like I, I appeared on Jimmy Kimmel. I guest starred in Casey Undercover and Hawaii Five-0, stuff like that but nothing big until uh, the Disney show that I was on. Um, So there was a lot of rejection. I did hundreds of auditions and probably booked 10 jobs. And that's, that's, I'd say something that's carried over. Mm -hmm. I I'm, I think I'm capable of handling rejection, taking criticism and moving on and also being sure in myself. I think, you know, that self-assurance confidence, not egocentric confidence, but like just, you know, confidence in my abilities. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that, I've had to build in order to, to put up with that, you know, constant stream of rejection. And I think that's something that I've carried now over to not only academics, but, you know, um, if I'm trying yeah. to do business or, you know, even interacting with people on a social level, that kind of rejection, I, I'm able to handle it. I think. So, yeah. Was there like a, a significant learning curve for you when you hopped on to OHS to like, as far as not just right. the school, right. So itself, but between balancing all of that. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I'm a part-time student it. because uh, when I was acting on the show there, w- I filmed 52 hours a week. I worked 52 hours a week. So there were a lot of times where I wouldn't be able to make the right. class and I couldn't, you know, at OHS, they're, they, they like you to make the classes or else you're going to fail the yeah, classes. Yeah. So I was only able to take a couple and I had yes. to set those times with production. Like I'm sitting down, I'm doing this class and I'm also in a different online program. But I'd say I was in a pretty solid college uh, prep school since kindergarten. Uh, you know, they've been, they've been trying. I, I've always tried to expose myself to the most rigorous education. And that's something that's carried over. Um, and I don't think the learning curve was too bad. I think I just had to understand that, you know, it's going to take some work to succeed here. And once I understood that, and once I was able to accept that and not take shortcuts, that's when I started to started to thrive here. Are there any places that they kind of intersect, like that you've been able to apply any of the stuff that you've learned, like through classes into your acting? Yeah, I mean, I think Stanford OHS is a great motivator and a great way to, you know, craft your work ethic because a lot of it's independent study you're trusted a lot as at a young age to do all the readings do all the homework you know write your essays within a reasonable amount of time before the assignment date so that you're not cramming it before all that stuff so I think (laughs) yeah yeah, like that right like that happens Um, but I think you know the work ethic that you have to have in order to sort of self-regulate and succeed in this program um, has also you know carried over to acting because I, I don't like to not finish a scene until I think I've done it well. And I like to memorize my lines before I go in. So I do a good job. And like, I just want to be prepared. And that's something that Stanford OHS, I think has really instilled on me. Yeah, really nice. One thing that you mentioned, actually, with all the previous jobs that you've booked and Disney being the biggest one, mm-hmm. what's the biggest difference that you felt between those jobs and the ones that you booked on Disney? Let's see. I think on Disney, I was given on Bizarre Vark, I was given a lot more responsibility because I had to come in every day, eight months or like uh, 21 weeks, you know, I had to come in every day and I had to perform because there's hundreds of other people that are depending on you to do a good job to pay their bills and feed their kids and everything. And if you don't do a good job, you're letting everyone down. 
So right. I, I had to mature a lot, I think, because you can either mature or you can crack under the pressure. And for me, cracking under the pressure wasn't an option. So I just decided, you know what, you're young, but you just have to take that step. You have to be able to accept this responsibility and you have to be able to perform. So that was a difference mm-hmm. because when you're guest starring, you're there for a week and, you know, you can tolerate some, you know, antics or you can tolerate a little bit of um, lackadaisical preparation but you can't tolerate that when you're there every day, every week for the entire season. You mentioned like when you talk about mm-hmm. your support system, like your friends and your family and stuff, I was just really curious about if you also had like a support system on set or it, with like coworkers or anything like that. Yeah. Or if you just so kind of, you know, for the first season, I, I hope, I think you all know who Jake Paul is for the first season. This was before <laughs> he sort of exploded yeah. into internet fame. He, no idea who he is. He was um he was actually okay. really <laughs> um but he was actually really really <laughs> kind to me and he was really nice to me and he tried to show me the ropes of LA cuz I I you know I'd lived in Hawaii and I didn't have this presence and he was like trying to prepare me for what I'd see and he tried to get me out there and he hung out with me on set. He was 19 and I was like 13 or 14 and he still hung <laughs> out with me. And he was really cool to me. So he was sort of my friend on set for the first season. And then as the second and third season, I grew a lot closer to Olivia Rodrigo. And um, she became like my best friend on set, my rock there. And then the show ended and I moved back to Hawaii to do school and everything like that. Um, But I I definitely say family, friends and the cast all together, you know, made it manageable. Yeah, now that actually you mentioned Jake Paul, he is actually with, you know, he has this, I would say, YouTube persona and all of this stuff that surrounds him that kind of comes off with going back to the preconceived notions of, of a public figure. Right. What are those? Can you talk a bit on, do you think there was a very big difference between what he puts out or what kind of things that people perceive of him compared to knowing him, being his friend? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a solid guy. I think he's a solid guy, you know, and I think that he does care about people and stuff like that. So I think he's a solid guy. But on the Internet, you have to act a certain way if you're going to get if you're going to maintain people's interest for years, get them to buy your clothes, get them to subscribe to all your different channels, get them to see your business and follow everybody that's around you. You have to Mm -hmm. be this real this enigmatic draw. And he sort of really, really invested himself in being that enigmatic draw. And he did make some missteps, you know, and I think that sort of tainted his the view of him. But, uh, you know, once you do that, once you have that tainted view of you, your options are very limited. You can either go back and I guarantee you, if you tried to change his personality online back to, you know, a more normal person, um, not that he's not normal, but like a more, you know, regular doing regular things, his viewership would decline. So he really had to embrace that in order to keep his platform. So I think that's why you've seen that. But um, in person, he was definitely a solid guy in my experience. YouTube personalities are really interesting because I always considered them just like normal Mm. people with a lot of charisma or Mm -hmm, who just have mm -hmm. like millions of dollars to do things, right? And then I realized that they're actors too. To an extent, or like the the well known ones, right? Like they I'd honestly say that all social media is I would agree with that because because everybody's just presenting the best parts of their life. You know, nobody's posting unless you're like on somebody's private Instagram or private Snapchat story, nobody's posting them crying, nobody's posting their (laughs) depressive fits or anything, nobody's posting the hard times. Yeah, even can be acting. acting. If if it's if it's an attractive drama situation, they can 
you know, dramatize the issue, I guess. But I'd say a lot of people just present what they want other people to see and don't give a completely honest view of themselves. And that's something I don't like about social media. And that's why I haven't invested my whole personality in it, because I know that if I did, the good would come with the bad, because I'm obviously not a perfect person. Nobody's a perfect person, but I'm just not capable of that type of like maintaining that for so long. Um, but I, that people definitely do that. Social media is not the most honest place. And that's why I think that the younger generation can't look at social media as the ideal for what they should grow into. That's not what you should do. You should be your own individual, pursue your interests. And I get that you can look up to these people if they have similar values to you, or if you think they're really funny or something like that, but trying to create that for yourself isn't going to work because they're not showing you everything that goes into it, all the hard right. work, all the flaws, all the tough times, all that stuff. They're I just showing you the success. I see a lot of people now too who yeah. even like, live their normal lives looking for that, like, that snapshot of success, you know? And it's frustrating. Yeah. I have yeah. who I love with my whole heart, you know? But if we go out hiking, I want to hike to see something pretty, not to, like, go on a hill and, like, take a picture of you in leggings, you know? Like, I, I think that's not really what's significant there. I think I think social media is definitely a motivating factor for that because everybody wants the gratification yeah. that comes with getting attention, you yeah. know. But um, I don't think in on a smaller scale, I don't think it's necessarily as problematic if people want to look pretty or people want to look handsome on their Instagrams or something like that. Right, I, I don't think that's bad. bad. But if people are living their lives, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But if people are living their lives with the aim of presenting a picture on social media that isn't authentic, that's when it becomes yeah. problematic to me. I'm so glad you started talking about that. It really resonates with me. Going back then to the question like that I had about advocacy, like if you have a bigger platform, do you have more of a responsibility to advocate? I guess now in this context, if you have a bigger platform, do you think you have, especially coming from, you know, you said you're a private person too. Do you think that you have any responsibility to be more open or honest with your followers even if it means being that way to a ton more people i think that the responsibility that does come with having followers and that does come with having an audience is treating them like people and not numbers i think that's the responsibility that comes with it i don't think that there's necessarily responsibility to share anything that you don't want to share especially because of how volatile and sometimes toxic the social media can be mm -hmm. like it can really take it can take its toll on people if you're open and about your passions your interests your opinions and everybody's hating on you calling you either like a terrible person if they don't agree with you or saying you're dumb or like saying what you're interested in is stupid or saying that like you know oh you're just yeah. uninformed blah 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 that kind of stuff that can take its toll on people so i don't i don't know if that's necessarily a responsibility you don't have to be uh, like a, an open sharer but you have to treat them as people and not numbers and you have to understand that you have to respect them uh, like you can't just shovel you know there a lot of people get a, approached with promotional yeah. opportunities like the of, like products right? that aren't made ethically right. yeah or yeah. products that aren't made ethically or products that they don't know about but they'll shove it down their followers throats because you know they can make money off of it and they're trying to capitalize off the situation that they're in I think that you have a responsibility. I'm not saying the Kardashians do that. By sure, the way, I just did. to remain, you know, impartial. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> to remain impartial. Um, but I think you have a responsibility to look at them as individuals and treat them with respect and make sure that what you're promoting to them is ethically sourced, is you know, a product that people put time into, stuff yeah. like that. 
Okay, that makes sense. Right. I, I think I agree with that. Yeah. Like, what was in mind when I was asking that was, do you guys know uh, Jamila Jamil? That actress? She's, um, yeah, she's on I've the heard of her. I do not. Her social media presence is very much focused on, I think she struggled with, like, eating disorders in the past. And so she's very much focused on, like, the body mm-hmm. positivity movement and everything, right? And so her big, like, right. platform right. that she stands on is, like, you know, anyone who's anyone, like, a celebrity or, or someone with a platform has this, like, inherent obligation to their followers to be 100% real and 100% honest at all times. But I, I see what you mean. Like, my problem with that, then, when I think about that is, well, you know, anyone else, you know, I, with my, I don't know, 900 followers or whatever, I don't think I have an obligation to be 100% real and honest with them all the time. Right. So right. I don't know. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think there's people who, when you believe really strongly in something you believe that other people right. should believe really strongly in that same thing. Um, like for me, I, I think fitness is extremely important. I think that people should be invested in getting out, you know, being active. I think that it makes people happier and healthier mm-hmm. and feel better. But I don't think that everyone out there is required to promote right. fitness. You know what I mean? Because I know that other people might have different views on it, different views of how they want to live. It's their own life. It's their own lifestyle. So to address that, what you just brought up, you know, the body positivity movement, it's great to make people feel, you know, confident about themselves, comfortable in their own skin. But some people might have different views on how to approach, you know, um, the obesity ec- epidemic or eating disorders. People might have different views on how to approach that from her. So I don't, I don't necessarily think it's fair of her to say that everybody should be 100% real honest about what they actually do. Like, I think promoting what you want to promote with having your followers in mind, respecting them. I think that's perfectly valid for every influencer or everybody with a, a platform to do. And I don't necessarily think you, it, it follows like a strict, um, uh, sorry, I'm blanking on the word. I'm not articulating this well, but a strict like outline of what you yeah, have to no, tell I think that's people. Fair. That the whole discussion we've had on the preconceived no- notions and everything and having gone into that, I think you've detailed that very well. With that said, we're going to have Thank you. a surprise guest come on <laughs> and who's actually Ooh. your friend, actually knowing you outside of those preconceived notions. <laughs> He's another senior at Stanford OHS who's going to help us with this lost segment. So for the big reveal, please introduce yourself, surprise guest. Hi, yeah, my name is Lawrence Allen. I'm a senior at Stanford Island High School. Um, I'm going to be majoring in engineering next year, specifically biomedical engineering. Um, I'm not sure how far you guys want me to go into this, but basically in my free time, I like to, uh, you know, design different biomedical tools. Like last night at 4 a.m., I made a little uh, N95 mask adjuster for the you know, nurses who are working their butts off at the hospitals. Um, I'm working on like respirators and oxygen concentrators for various people in my neighborhood because our like average age is like 65. And um, yeah, I consider myself one of Ethan's friends. I'm one of the only ones with a Snapchat. So, you know. Yeah, you got the inf- inside information for sure. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. So with Lawrence here. We're going to do a little segment we call the word box segment before we end the episode. Obviously, our main topic has been a lot on these notions of knowing public figures and having the inside and outside. One of the things we'll be doing is that we're going to think about the inside box. And we're going to think of that as Lawrence giving us some words as to how he would describe Ethan before knowing him. So his preconceived notions to describe you, Ethan, 
with words that he would choose. And then we'll have you guess which words that you think he's going to say. And we're going to compare that. Sounds good. So you want me to go first? Try guessing some first and see if with Lawrence has... Yeah, I have them written down. All right, bet. All right, let's see. Some of the things that I think people have preconceived about me, um, maybe quiet, I don't know, like quiet or to, I keep to myself. Um, Never once thought of an actor as quiet. Um, <laughs> maybe, hmm, maybe, uh, I mean, a lot of people maybe think I'm, I'm a little bit like egocentric, maybe. Is that something? I don't know. Yeah, I've thought of actors as egocentric. Yeah, I guess so. I'll try one more. I'll try one more. Um, I mean, I'll just say it. I'll just say maybe Lawrence thought I was smart. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So uh, the big reveal, you know, the ones I've written down, uh, number one would be extremely attractive. Um, You know, number two would be famous. Uh, Number three would be short king. Number four would be womanizer. And uh, number five would be good with kids, which is interesting because it means like he's like husband material, you know. I, I think just like to put it in context, um, it was actually kind of a, a long con becoming Ethan's friend. Uh, Zarava and I kind of spotted him from afar at one of these Stanford events. And um, we walked past him three times trying to get him to talk to us. And we're just pretending that we kept, you know, having to get, get more food or something. It's like a wrong really con. <laughs> no. Yeah, really, we were trying to become friends with Ethan. And uh, I think I was the, the only one that really made it out. So, you know, I'm, I'm grateful every day. Lawrence really advocating for me out there. Um, how long have yeah. you guys been dating? Yeah, same question yeah. I had. No, no, definitely not. Let's just clear the air there. But um, he's just a very supportive friend. That's what I'd say. Just a very oh, supportive yeah. friend. I mean, right. he, I've never met, I've, I've like met him like three times, but in an online school context. All right. So I guess for the other side of it, after getting to know him. So Ethan, guess of some words that he's written down now. After getting to know him. All right, if I had to describe myself, I'd say I'm thoughtful. I guess like I think through everything before I say it. I like fitness, so active, athletic maybe. Um, uh, I work ethic, I, I'm a hard worker. Um, and then last, maybe maybe he still thinks I'm, I'm a handsome guy, who knows. So how'd he do? Uh, yeah, well, you know, honestly, I didn't change my list all that, that much. Um, I think one, one of the ones is a uh, twin because Ethan apparently is uh, brittle boned as well. I've broken 11 bones and, you know, Ethan just shattered his uh, leg. And I, I just, it was kind of iconic because Ethan shattered his leg snowboarding. And then I broke my foot snowboarding like day after. And I just thought like, there's a connection here, you know, yeah. or maybe I'm like self-sabotaging to like get close to Ethan because like the long con, you know, but um, yeah, I, I feel like Ethan definitely, is thoughtful. Uh, I definitely feel the support whenever, you know, Ethan slides up on my story. And I, I think definitely most of his other friends, like maybe his Hawaii friends that he actually hangs out with, um, might say the same thing. You know, he's like launched a lot of their careers with like the, the different, you know, waterfall picks of them jumping off. And like, uh, you know, Ethan's abs are kind of iconic. And I feel like, you know, there's that the face that launched a thousand ships, you know, the Ethan's abs that launched a thousand DMs. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I really, I feel like there's a lot of good energy that comes out of him. And I think that is one that I'd add. I just, I didn't think he would be this much of like a humanitarian. The thousand DMs were just all from Lawrence. I know. <laughs> yeah. I see like Ethan blushing in the corner of his like camera. Ethan, did you ever, did why you ever... didn't you think to describe yourself as brittle? 
Well, because the accidents me. that I've been in where I broke my bones were like really severe. So I don't think I'm brittle. I just put myself in situations like this ski accident. I was going like 50 to 60 miles per hour and got hurt and just crashed and shattered my leg. Um, I broke my other leg. Yeah. And then I broke my arms uh, while bike, like biking accidents. And I broke my collarbone trying to do a backflip and just planted on my chest. So, um, so it's not like I'm breaking it, just walking around or falling over. I'm just yeah. doing things and breaking my bones. I, I similarly have broken my hand in bike accidents. I also broke three bones jumping off a, a three-story building to impress friends because I thought that showing off my parkour skills would be cool. So I feel like maybe Ethan and I both have the decision-making complex as well, um, where we are just these expert decision-makers. Very nice. Anyway, I think that's the most interesting box segment we've had so far. Yeah, on this that was interesting. Podcast, but yeah, very nice having you on, Lawrence, and thank you for coming on, Ethan, today. Yeah, thank you so no much. It was a pleasure meeting you both. Yeah, really nice talking to both of you. Thank you guys for listening to Blurred Box with Chloe, Haven, Pooja, and Sophie. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or please leave us a review on iTunes. Be sure to join us next week when we talk about the digital divide between the students right now and the pandemic with the coronavirus with Dr. Hoshi. Be sure to stay tuned for that, and we'll see you guys soon. Thank you guys for And listening. don't forget Thank to you. smash that like button. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. See you guys Bye. soon.